This is the Brabant Bulletin brought to you by the European Brabant Registry of America, where people, passion, and preservation are our mission. Hello, everybody. I am Stacy, your host for today, and I am here to chat with you a little bit about winter prep from the inside out. This podcast is brought to you by Mansfield Ag Center in Mansfield, Oklahoma, where quality matters. If you want to learn a little bit more and read some other cool blogs, please visit mansvilleagcenter.com. Click on cool blogs. That's cool with a K. Okay, so winter prep starts from the inside out, and by inside, I mean your horse's gut. We want to make sure that the horse is healthy going into the fall and winter. Everything surrounding health starts with the gut, making sure that your horse's stomach has the correct pH balance and feeding them with a high-quality feed or high-quality digestible feed helps keep their gut healthy. And that is also key to nutrient absorption. If your horse is unhealthy and has an acidic gut riddled with ulcers, they are not going to absorb or utilize the nutrients you are working so hard to get in them. Many horses are less active in the winter, so a low starch diet is even more important. In the old days, farmers would use horses to plow six days a week and typically give the horses and themselves a day off on Sunday. The incredibly high starch diet that is common in those days, aka corn, followed by an inactivity led to the quote, Monday morning disease, and that we know now as tying up. For more information on tying up, please go back and listen to episode two about PSSM in draft horses. It explains what tying up is, and that will clear things up for you. Okay, with many horses and riders being less and less active as the temperatures and daylight decrease, it is even more important to keep your horses on a low starch diet so they don't build up lactic acid in their muscles and end up tying up. It should be noted that again, in episode two, you can hear more about diets best suited for draft horses, and this will tell you about ration balancers and high fat feeds. Make sure your horse has free choice salt available. Dehydration is a risk in the middle of the winter, just like it is in summer. While your horse won't likely be sweating nearly as much, their mouth, gut, and every bodily function still needs water to function. A lot of people get hung up on the trace mineral blocks, but there's not enough to really make a difference. Just keeping a salt block in front of your horse is enough. They know how much they need and they will eat it accordingly. Keep your horse's water trough from freezing or at least break the ice for them. Depending on how far north you live and what winter is like in your area, breaking the ice in the winter may be a daily or even multiple times a day kind of chore. Tank heaters, bucket heaters, or even heated buckets are a great option. Whatever you do, make sure your horses don't dehydrate this winter. Free choice hay all the time. A horse should really have access to forage 24-7. The risk of developing ulcers is due to a lack of fiber in the gut. Additionally, the breakdown of fibers creates internal heat, keeping your horse warm and more comfortable during colder months. So hay equals heat. While wintertime may not be a time of year most equestrians dream about, although the dying off of the fly population is a nice little bonus, it doesn't mean your horse's health and well-being stops being a priority. In fact, gut health may be even more important in the winter months. As long as a Brabant has protection from the wind and precipitation and access to forage and hay, they can generally keep warm all winter without a blanket. So here are some winter tips from our friends at All the King's Horses. Here in Western Pennsylvania, winter is one of the harder seasons for horse management. The weather alternates between cold and snow or ice and wet, 
and always muddy. At some point, horse owners are likely to encounter frozen waters, muddy pastures, shortened days that lead to doing chores in the dark, and any number of other inconveniences through the season. As winter nears, it can be helpful to take time to plan and prepare in order to help things go more smoothly. At All the King's Horses, here are six things they do to prep for the winter season. Number one, plan out a pasture system, including where different groups of horses are housed what water sources are available, and how many hay and mineral feeders are going to be needed. Number two, move and store hay and barns close to the winter feeding areas when possible. Number three, check over winter feeding equipment such as hay feeders, nets, and watering lines, or even hydrants to identify and take care of any needed repairs. Number four, walk the fence lines to find out and fix any problems. It's much easier to fix the fence in fair weather than to try and fix the fence in knee-deep snow. Okay, fall herd health. On the AKH farm, that means rabies vaccinations, a round of dewormer for everyone when they are pulled off the pasture into the winter fields, and mite treatments for the feathering. So let's talk about mite treatments and feather care. Mites are a common ailment for any feathered breed. These pesky critters burrow into the skin and cause horses discomfort, leading to stomping, rubbing legs on anything handy, or biting and chewing their lower legs. When left untreated, mite infestations can cause damage to the skin and lower legs, leading to complications for CPL-prone horses. Keeping up to date on mite treatments is one basic way to help promote healthy legs. There are a variety of treatments for mites, and every farm has a different way of doing things. Some of the common uh, options are Sulfur. Sulfur can be an oil and sulfur mix such as MTG or a lime sulfur dip. On the AKH farm, they start by mixing their own oil and sulfur using the, uh, the feed grade sulfur from a local feed mill and bulk vegetable or frying oil from Sam's Club. Note, do not use garden sulfur as it can burn the horse's legs. Again, don't use garden sulfur. The two are mixed to the consistency of a milkshake, and then this product is lathered onto the legs from the knees and hocks down. No rinsing is required. This system tends to be a lot of work and rather messy, so they recently switched over to lime sulfur dip. This product can be mixed in a garden or weed sprayer and then used to soak feathers all the way down to the skin on lower legs. They add spray along the base of the mane and top of the tail as well, since those hairy areas can also attract mites. Topical mite products such as pour-on ivermectin for livestock or dog products such as frontline spray can be applied directly to the legs as well. Farms vary widely on how exactly they do this, but a sample protocol would be 5 milliliters of pour-on ivermectin applied to each leg. The feather should be pulled apart and allow the syringe or the dosing instrument to apply the product directly to the skin. Some horse owners swear by mixing the medication in mineral oil to increase the volume of liquid and to allow better coat on the skin. There's also injectable Dectomax, and that's a common treatment used in Europe. However, you should note that the use in North America is off-label and the vet will be needed to consult for appropriate dosage and treatment protocols. Regardless of the treatment you use for feathering, it's important to repeat this treatment at least two to three times at five to seven day intervals in order to break the life cycle of mites. 
Additionally, the horse should be turned out into a new environment if possible, or the environment they are in should be well cleaned. Any brushes, buckets, blankets, anything that comes in contact with the horses must be disinfected too in order to break the life cycle. Unfortunately, mites are an ongoing issue for big farms with hairy legs and will likely never be fully eliminated. Watching for signs of discomfort, scratching, and then treating appropriately will go a long way in keeping legs as healthy as possible, particularly in winter. To see all the visuals accompanying this podcast, please visit europeanbrabant.com and click on the Brabant Bulletin blog. It's all right there for you. And be sure to subscribe if you have not yet. Until next time, be well.